Hello, and welcome to the Hidden Archives. I'm your host for the evening, Philip Clark. Welcome to our Season 2 finale. We have put together a special story for you this evening, something that we hope you will enjoy. So I will get right into things, and then Nicole will be back at the end of the episode to see you off until next season. Tonight's warning of content takes a slightly different form than what you might be used to. In fact, after this official warning of content, we will transition directly into the story with no real setup. But I did want to preface with some information about the story itself, to remind you that this story is completely from my own mind. I do quote some religious doctrine, but that is for the sake of the story. It is not a reflection of the beliefs of anyone associated with the Hidden Archives or Rhodes Collaborative. I also don't mean it to mock, discredit, or criticize anyone else's beliefs. It should not be taken seriously, as it was written to disturb you and make you uneasy. Therefore, if you choose to enter the Hidden Archives, if you choose to study the tomes, if you choose to take this journey with me, you do so at your own risk. Profanity and disturbing content will follow. This is your warning. I've always liked a good snowstorm. There is something irresistible about the eerie stillness and silence that comes with the delicate falling of each flake of snow. In fact, where I lived, one can actually hear the sound of a single flake, or more realistically, clump of snow as it hits the ground. This can only really happen this far out in the wilderness, where there are no sounds of traffic or trains, beasts, or birds. However, on one such night, there was something that distracted from the omnipresent peace of stillness. Out in the bluffs of the Colorado wilderness, your neighbors are few and far between. Where I lived could be considered a farming community. If you can even call it that, a community. My nearest neighbor was about a quarter mile away, at a ranch south of my own. This was normally ideal for me. It gave me my own space, and the peace that came with it. But if I needed help or just someone to talk to, then I could simply take a walk down the road to the next ranch and share cold coors with the neighbors. Now, about these neighbors. They were an older couple with no children. The man, Mark, was a rancher who lately specialized in keeping a bunch of horses that he used in the summer to take tourists on backcountry rides. His wife, Mary, ran an online business selling knitted things, or some shit like that. All in all, it seemed like they had a decent relationship with only the few bumps and snags that might come with such an arrangement. As for me, I was about the age that one of their kids might be, if they had any. And sure, I lived on a ranch, but that doesn't mean that I did shit with it. I'd come into some money a while back and figured that I wouldn't mind living in such a sparse community. So as it worked out, 
I was over there, or they were over at my place about once a week, just shooting the breeze to kill the time and stay sane. This was life for several seasons. No real excitement except for the occasional large wild animal that threatened the horses. There were no real dull points either, as there was always something that needed to be done or tended to. But that all changed on a cold, silent, snowy night in mid-November. As I remember it, I had gone out to watch the snowfall, which I often loved to do with my Jack Russell named Caesar. The poor bastard hated the cold, but he got over it when I shared my glass of whiskey with him. What can I say? Dogs like the drink as much as anyone else. We had been sitting for maybe about half an hour, both drinking out of the same cup of booze, when suddenly he perked his ears up. He sat really still for a few minutes, just facing in the direction of Mark and Mary's ranch. I couldn't hear anything except for a horse whinny in the distance. Normally, even this would be impossible, but the stillness of that dark and frosty night seemed to amplify the sound. What's got y'all worked up, Caesar? I said to the dog. Tell old Avery. What do you hear? Come on, boy, tell me. I encouraged him. I just figured he'd heard a rabbit or a fox that I didn't, and I thought it would be a kick to watch him chase it. Normally, he would have gotten excited and ran off after whatever it was, whether it even existed or not. But that night, he just stayed still as a statue, ears perked up, staring off into the distance. This was extremely uncharacteristic of him, so I figured something might be up. Playing along, I faced the same way as Caesar and listened very carefully for whatever might be out there. For the first few seconds, there was nothing. But then I heard voices. They were distant and faint, but they sounded angry. Clearly, my only neighbors were having a fight. Come on, Caesar, that's none of our business, I said to the dog. He looked at me, almost with a grimace of irritation, and swiftly turned his gaze back to its original direction. Just as I was about to reprimand him again, I heard a loud concussion. I couldn't tell what it was at first, but it echoed and resounded for what seemed like nearly a minute. Caesar jumped to his feet, hackles raised, and started growling. He was about to run off in the direction of the noise, but I commanded him to heal. Reluctantly, he did so. Suddenly, I figured out what we had heard. It was a gunshot. I strained to listen for any more voices. Nothing. Then, I thought I heard a muffled scream, but it was so distant that I couldn't tell for certain. I put the dog back in the house and waited outside, still trying to hear whatever else I could. Then there was another concussion. Caesar, still in the house, started barking and scratching at the door. I took off running toward the neighbor's ranch. 
I should have brought Caesar with me. To this day, I'm still kicking myself for leaving him behind. Maybe he could have warned me of what I was about to find. Maybe not. No one ever claimed that he was the sharpest tool in the shed. But damn. I really do miss that old mutt. As I was about halfway down the road to Mark and Mary's ranch, the snow started to let up and I could just make out the lights coming from their property. I could see that most of the house lights were on. There were also several sodium lights, high up, like street lights, over the corral and stables. On a night like this, there was no damn reason those sodium lights should have been on. The horses would all be stabled, kept inside against the cold. Also, with it being so late, there was no way that anyone was doing any grounds work. I may be a dumb reformed city boy, but I knew when I saw those lights glowing brighter and brighter as I made my way down the road at nearly a sprint, that something was very, very wrong. I got to the edge of the property, and knowing that Mark was the kind to shoot first and ask questions later, was about to announce myself when the stable door flung open at the far end of the corral. My attention was quickly diverted from the house to this developing point of action. I was breathing so hard from my run in the bitter cold that it took me a minute to shift my focus and gather what was going on. I heard faint clunking and hurried work coming from the stables like someone was saddling up a horse and unlocking its gate to ride. As it turned out, I was right. Mark's favorite stallion, a beautiful black beast named Obsidian, that only he was ever permitted to ride, hell, that only Mark could ride, shot out of the haphazardly open stable doors. Someone followed in close pursuit, grabbing the mane of the animal and hoisting himself on. Obsidian reared and bucked, flinging snow and mud all about, but the fellow stayed on. Next thing I knew, Obsidian and the guy riding him were racing toward the pasture and vaulting up and over the fence. There was only a quick look back by the rider in my direction, and then they were gone. I knew it wasn't Mark on that horse. He was too old to move like that guy and Obsidian would never try to buck him off. There was one time when I finally talked Mark into letting me have a go with Obsidian, just a short jaunt around the corral. When I went to get on, he tried to buck just a bit, but Mark's presence alone was enough to keep the horse calm. Mark even said that I might be the only other person who might be able to master Obsidian. But that would take a lot of work and trust. Even an equestrian master would be hard-pressed to tame such a beast. Something was definitely off. No, something was straight up wrong. I said fuck it to announcing my presence and hopped the gate running straight for the house. The front door was slightly open and snow had drifted in. I let myself in very carefully and slowly. Hello? I said rather quietly. Mark? Mary? But no one answered. Everything looked normal in the living room into which the front door opened. It was decorated in a typical rustic motif with plenty of paintings and prints of horses, 
mustangs, racehorses, even a haunting full-wall mural of the Denver International Airport mascot, Blucifer. Everything was in its place, except for the knitted, seafoam green and pink area rug that was almost folded in half, revealing the presence of a trap door. A trap door that I had never even known about. I explored the rest of the rather small ranch house, all the while calling out for Mark and Mary, but there was no sign of them, and no one answered my calls. I found the kitchen door wide open, with more snow drifting in, making the black tile floor as slippery as an ice rink. I closed the kitchen door and made my way back to the living room. There was something about that trap door that was an integral part of whatever was happening here. I stood there just looking down at the door, while snow and mud melted and dripped off my boots, staining a dark shadow into the wood. What should I do? Should I open the door? I mean, to hell with privacy, right? My neighbors might be in trouble. Their house was all opened up with no sign of them anywhere, and I had heard what sounded like a gunshot, and someone had just, presumably, stolen one of their horses. Not even a hundred years ago in this part of the country, horse theft was a crime punishable by hanging. That fact had to be enough to make the determination that the situation was extreme, so I decided to open the door and find out what lie beneath. There was no latch on the door that I could see that would allow me to open it, but I figured by the placement of what looked like a long piano hinge to the far side that it probably opened outward like one would expect, with the part near my feet being the side that pulls up. But I just couldn't get my fingers in any space or crack that I could use to pry it up. I messed with trying to coax it up for about two minutes before I heard a quick, sharp rapping coming from the other side. I pulled my hands away and backed up as fast as I could. Suddenly, the door opened just an inch or two. I could see a set of narrowed eyes peering out in my direction from underneath. A voice spoke, hushed from below. Who's there? The voice demanded. Mark? Is that you? Avery? What the hell are you doing here, boy? What do you mean? I barked back. I heard the commotion, the gunshot, and scream and whatnot. And I came to see if you and Mary were okay. Mark waited a second or two before responding to me. He sighed and said, Oh, oh yes. Right kind of you to show concern for us old folks. Mark pushed the door open all the way and beckoned me down. Obligingly, I followed. The wooden stairs that led down to the space below were well-worn from traffic. They seemed so far to the point of rotten decay that they were nearly unusable. Fortunately, there was only about six or seven steps before the ground floor. The rest of the basement, however was a sterile, almost reverently constructed laboratory of sorts. The ceiling couldn't have been more than maybe about six and a half feet overhead. Low, but enough room to stand. However, when I say that the room was like a laboratory, 
I don't necessarily mean that in the scientific context. There were books, ancient volumes bound in hideous covers, covering black marble bookcases that lined every wall of the room. There were also five tables made from the same black marble as the bookcases in the middle of the room. On all five tables there were five candles, one on each corner and one in the center. Two of the tables had strange, sharp-looking brass instruments, the purpose of which I could only imagine. Two of the other tables had all sorts of, for lack of a better word, trinkets on them. They looked archaic. I noticed a stone scarab, a trilobite fossil, and a number of what looked like voodoo dolls amongst other magical-looking items. The last table, which was at the center of the room, making the arrangement of tables look like the five on the side of a dice, was barren. All that was on it was that same mural of Lucifer as the one in the living room upstairs. I took all of this in, just vexed by the entirety of the scene, in a matter of seconds. Mark made his way to the center table and leaned against it, with his palms flat on its surface, and his head bowed. Mark? Where's Mary? Given the scene, it would be hard to imagine that I would even notice her absence. But I was here for a reason. Mark didn't even bother to look up at me as he spoke. Never mind that, boy. She's safe, he said with a note of conviction. This definitely did not absolve my concern, however. With as much control and clarity as I could muster, I said, Then what happened? How can I know that for certain? Was it her that took obsidian? Even saying this, I knew it wasn't something that she could actually do. I asked that silly question, and to this day, I still don't know what made me ask. Mark's head snapped up, and there was a fierce fire in his eyes. But also something else. Maybe concern? Or was it fright? Now listen closely to me, Avery, and respond very carefully and completely. What did you witness? What? Outside when I got here? No, goddammit! He shouted as he approached me slowly, arms outstretched and palms up like a sinner begging forgiveness before God himself. He grabbed my shoulders with his shaking hands and said, What did you see with the horse, Obsidian? Someone took him from the stables and rode off. He rode him. Are you sure? Yeah, I, I mean, he bucked, but the rider got control and took off on him. And this rider, what did he look like? There was desperation in his voice. I don't know, he was dressed in black, but I couldn't see his face or anything. Mark closed his eyes, released my shoulders, and walked back to the table with Lucifer painted on it. It was a tense minute before he spoke again. So, it has begun. I tried to stop it. I just want you to know that. I want someone to know. I really did try, but I failed. I knew I would. I had to try. 
I don't understand, Mark. What did you try to stop? He paused and then said, just barely louder than a whisper, The end of days. I tried to stop the apocalypse. Do you know the story from the book of Revelation in the Bible of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? I shook my head no. Never really been much of a man of faith, I said a bit timidly. He chuckled and said, They never are. Then, from sheer memory, he recited Revelation chapter 6. Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering, and to conquer. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another and a great sword was given to him. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth, to kill with sword and with famine, and with pestilence, and by the wild beast of the earth. I was stunned. What could I say? I didn't know if Mark was some religious nut, or what was going on. But he continued. The horse, Obsidian, is the third horse. Famine. Its rider has been called. Just like war before him, and conquest before that. You can't actually expect me to believe this, Mark. That's just a story. Religious nonsense. Is it, boy? Is it? There was a flash of light, and then I saw Mark change before my eyes. He appeared younger and spoke with a booming voice that seemed to be fully contained within my own head. Now you can see. You can understand that I speak only the truth. A pain struck me between the eyes. It was so intense that I had to close my eyes as I fell to my knees while grasping my head. I am Mark, author of the Gospel by the same name, and one of the stable masters of Armageddon. Do you understand? Yes, yes I do! I cried in pain and sudden knowledge. But what's going to happen? What have I got to do with this? You are the witness the one who must never have been, the harbinger of truth to the world, Avery, the narrator. Oh, how I tried to keep you close, how I tried to protect you 
to prevent this inevitability. Mark approached me and knelt down beside me. He spoke with his normal voice and said, It's not your fault. You were chosen, and I rebelled thinking I could stop the end from coming. There are things that were written, that were left untold to the masses so as to protect them and perhaps prevent the end of days. May I tell you? Yes! I cried through tears of pain, grief, and complete confusion. Tell me everything! Mark said, The other authors of the Gospels, Matthew, Luke, and John, are also stable masters of Armageddon. We were tasked with keeping the horses of the apocalypse until their riders were called. With this task came a number of gifts. Immortality on earth, the ability to understand and speak any and all languages, and an ability we refer to as the Master's Call, which allows us to see future events unfold in every possibility. But, this last gift does not necessarily grant us the ability to change anything, as I've just found out. It was also written that there would be a witness, a witness to the end of times, and one to witness to the world about its truth. These are the same person. They're you. You have seen the end of the world start. There's already been conquest and war. These rage over the entire planet. And you have just personally witnessed the third rider taking his horse. Famine. But that means there's only one horse left, right? Death? No, there are two. And death is not the worst of it. Myself and another stable master decided to keep certain things secret from the world with hopes of preventing the apocalypse. First, we decided to keep secret the name of the fifth horse, Annihilation. Second, we kept the secret of you, the witness. Finally, we conspired to steal our horses and keep them from their riders. The fifth and final stable master is Mary Magdalene. She is my wife. We did it because we were in love. The hidden bit of scripture goes like this. The next seal was broken and a final rider was called. I heard the voice of the fifth living creature saying, Come. I looked and behold a blue horse and he who rode on it was named Annihilation. Before the horse and its rider stood another named the Witness. And the Witness spoke thus, Upon my tongue is the final word, Endings! Hear me, even the dogs beckon the end. And the living creature said, Annihilate! The spoils belong to the Lord, but the land and space and time belong now to you and this rider was given a hood to protect its visage, and a scythe to reap the sowed fruits of man and God and of the heavens and the earth. Mary has gone off to secure her horse. This horse here, he said, tapping on the table with the image of Lucifer in front of him. 
If you were trying to keep so many secrets, why does this image exist? Why is there a statue of the fifth horse at the Denver airport of all fucking places? There are those that wish to expose us, to bring about prophecy and the end of days. They leave their messages everywhere. When it was found out that annihilation was kept here, they built that airport and statue as a sign. But they apparently did not know that I was keeping famine here too. They came trying to reclaim annihilation, but found their third horse instead. So Mary is taking the blue horse to a new location. I'm just doing some cleanup before I rejoin her. Wait. What do you mean by cleanup? Mark sighed and said, If there is no witness, then what was written cannot come to fruition. I started to panic at these damning words. Wait! You can't kill me, please! Oh, you stupid boy. I'm not going to kill you. Been like a son to me. Don't worry. I have a better plan. Set your mind at ease. Do you remember that I said the stable masters were given certain gifts? Well, along with the three gifts I mentioned before, which all five stable masters were given, is a fourth specific gift that was given to each individual stable master. The fourth gift is unique to each stable master. It is related to the name of our individual horses. Mary got annihilation. I got famine. This means that Mary can annihilate your existence from this realm. But I would only allow this if you were safe. So that puts us here. I have famine. I can literally starve this realm of you. I'll be honest. I don't know what will happen to you. But I have a hunch. I know that you will be okay. I will starve this realm of you by removing you from it. Mary will then annihilate any trace of your existence. However, since things have been set in motion, you have been called by God, and you have been named the witness, narrator of the apocalypse. You cannot and will not cease to exist altogether. This prophecy cannot be undone but it can be changed. You will be safe outside of our universe. As he spoke these final words, I found myself here, somewhere outside of that realm of reality and possibility and overlooking all realities and possibilities. I can see all of time and I know everything that can happen, but I do not know what will happen. However, I do know that I can influence events in any and every reality. So, being the witness, the narrator of the apocalypse, I give you this story. This is the only one that I can give directly as it is the only one that fulfills prophecy. However, there are others, prophets in their own right, 
who know other truths. As the witness, I can influence them to record their truths, their stories, and I can also influence them to keep them safe. These tales have been, are, and will be archived to serve as a warning. I will make this clear, as will those who tell the tales. I will give you this warning. I am alone, but you are not. Never discount any possibility. I have seen them all play out. I can't say what will happen, but I know what might happen. I tell you this. Do not let the fifth rider take his horse. Because annihilation includes not only you, but me and everything and everyone. You've seen the conquest and the wars. Soon, you are going to see famine. The global population has already tipped the scales of what our planet can support. You will see so much else. Things that seem impossible, but they are not. And after everything I have told you of comes to fruition, the fourth rider will take his horse. Death comes next. But I promise you this. Annihilation is much, much worse. Well, I guess we finally know why the Hidden Archives exists. Where all these fascinating and horrifying tales come from. Also, now you know who my supervisor is. Though, the witness is a pretty absent figure around here. Once again, we thank you for listening. Though this is the final episode for the official season, we will still be releasing content in various forms. From more stories, to behind-the-scenes content maybe even a few interviews, and more. Of course, this will be almost completely random and spur of the moment, but we will not be going completely silent between seasons again. Please tune in to our social media for more information. Links can be found in the show notes. There are many more stories from the Hidden Archives that have yet to be shared. We hope that you join us next time for another Glimpse Within. This has been a production of the Rhodes Collaborative Experience, LLC. Please no reproduction, duplication, or bastardization of any content without written consent from RCX or its partners. Ex Animo, Ex Tempus, in Archivum. <laughs>